Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study for everybody who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha on Wednesday nights for Wednesday night Bible classes, but also for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're thankful to have the opportunity, the ability, and the means to be able to do this, to be able to spread God's Word, continue to teach it on such a widespread basis through the medium of the Internet and by means of these podcasts. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person. Check us out. Study God's Word with us. Worship God with us. Grow spiritually with us. It's important that we get into God's Word regularly, consistently, continually, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So the more we're in God's Word, the stronger our faith should stay and even grow stronger. So we encourage you to continue to study with us through these podcasts. And if you're in the Omaha area, come and be with us in person. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Sunday morning Bible classes begin at 9.30 in the morning, followed by worship at 10.30, Sunday evening worship at 6 o'clock, and these Wednesday night Bible classes at 6.30 every Wednesday evening. We want to encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can, and on a consistent basis, always. Again, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And so you know people in your life, undoubtedly, who need to grow in their faith. They need to come to God in many cases. They need to start thinking about their soul's salvation and eternity because it's coming. So share these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. But make that effort, make that commitment to share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can all the time. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day. We also encourage you to tell others about our website, encourage them to go there at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and tell them to click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We keep saying that. We just want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, and a daily Monday through Friday radio program called Search the Scriptures, but also a short Bible study every day, seven days a week, that we call Today's Bible Class, only about 13 minutes or so each day. But that 13 minutes gets us into God's Word every single day. And we've already talked about how important that is. While people are at our website at churchofchrist.com, they can download and listen to, and many are on video format now as well as audio, hundreds of sermons. They can also download hundreds of articles and read them, study through them, and again, use them to help their faith grow stronger and stronger and deeper and deeper. So tell everybody you can and take advantage of this opportunity as well. A tremendous amount of Bible study resource material right there at churchofchrist.com, and it is always free. We're going to get back into 
our study of 1 John. We've actually made a fair amount of progress already in the three sessions we've had together as we entered into this particular book from God's Word. We finished up 2 Peter a few weeks ago. We moved into 1 John, which follows 2 Peter in the layout of our Bibles, and we studied through chapter 1, which really first talks about how John basically lays out his authority and the reason why people can believe what he's writing. He's not just writing his own ideas, good thoughts, but he's writing God's very word, going back to 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. But John says, and he emphasizes, and he repeats this two or three times. He says, I was there with Jesus. So what I'm writing to you, what I'm telling you, I'm not speaking second-hand or third-hand or fourth-hand or fifth-hand. I'm not talking about what somebody told me they heard from somebody who heard it from somebody else who said they thought they understood such and such. He said, no, no, I was right there with Jesus during his public ministry on this earth. I saw him with my own eyes. I walked with him through his ministry. I listened to his teaching with my own ears. I touched him. I knew that he was there. I was a firsthand, on-the-scene eyewitness for, and it would have been for about three years during Jesus's ministry on this earth. So then he goes on in beginning with verse 5 of chapter 1, and he talks about how God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And I think the primary meaning that he's using here or applying to to God and using these particular terms is that God is light, totally good, totally righteous, and that the darkness is illustrative of sinfulness, unrighteousness, ungodliness, wickedness, evil. And so God is totally good, totally righteous, and there is no unrighteousness, no wickedness, no evil, no sinfulness in God. And John goes on then, and he says, now, God's the standard, obviously, bottom line standard for righteousness and the absence of all wickedness, all sinfulness. And so John says, if you want to walk with God and fellowship with God, don't think you can be in fellowship with God, walk with him in fellowship, and at the same time, be living in sinful lifestyles. That that doesn't work. It's incongruent. It's contradictory. And so he says, walk in the light as he is in the light. Now, John does say, and he's writing this to Christians now, and he says, now, you have some sin. I mean, you sin from time to time. But there's a difference between making a mistake here and there and then recognizing it, repenting of it, and asking God's forgiveness through prayer in the name of Jesus, and continuing to live a lifestyle of sin on an ongoing basis. So we talked about that, the differences between the two understandings. In chapter 2, we began with the first six verses, and we saw how John talks about Jesus being our advocate with the Father, or our spokesman. We, we talked about how that word advocate, probably we would think of it more along the lines of legal terms like an attorney or somebody speaking for us in a legal way. But Jesus is there. He is our go-between between ourselves and God the Father. And so he is our advocate. 
John begins that first verse of chapter 2 by saying, my little children, and there's something of that familyhood identity and relationship that we experience as we are Christians, when we're baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins, he adds us to his church, which is identified in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 21 and, 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 and 22, as his body. It, Paul also uses those same frames of reference in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. The church, his church, is his body, spiritual body, obviously. But also in Galatians chapter 4 and Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul talks about how when we become Christians, that God adopts us into his family. And so John says, my little children, so there's that familyhood kind of relationship that he's referring to there by virtue of our being Christians together in the family of God, in the body of Christ. And so he says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. We can be counted righteous before God as we're baptized into Christ because of his righteousness. His righteousness covers for our unrighteousness, and he died on that cross, having, letting, allowing his blood to be shed, being the perfect sacrifice so that as we come to him, as we repent, as we own him as our Savior, as we surrender to him as our Savior in baptism, the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. And so through his righteousness, we can be counted righteous by God. And then he goes on and he says in verse 3, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And so he emphasizes this over the next three verses, that just saying, I love God, I love Jesus, just saying, I have faith in God, I have faith in Jesus, does not make it so necessarily. Certainly does not indicate that we're being faithful to God and faithful to Jesus. Paul, uh, John emphasizes, as Jesus did back in John chapter 14, in verse 15, verse 21, verse 23, that if we truly love him, then we must obey his commandments. And so John makes that emphasis. If we say in verse four, he says, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. And that's basically a repetition and very forcefully so to what he said back in, uh, back in verse, verse uh, four, I'm sorry, verse 6 of chapter 1, if we say that we have fellowship with him, that is with God, and walk in darkness, walking, living in sinfulness, then we lie, and the truth is not in us. We do not practice the truth. And, and so we need to understand it cannot be just a verbal kind of commitment to God and to Jesus as our Savior, but we must live the life of Christianity. We must live the life of being saved, of being in Christ of being part of God's family, of being part of the body of Christ, the church. We're going to pick up with verse 7 now. And John, this is the first time he begins to emphasize a particular direction of love, and he does so as a commandment, but it's not John issuing the commandment all by himself for the first time. 
He's simply reinforcing the commandment that was initially given by Jesus himself on the night of his, on the night of his betrayal, before he went to the cross. So let's read several verses here, beginning with verse 7. John writes, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, John is very pointed here again. He's been pointed basically through all of the first part of this letter, all through chapter 1 and certainly through the first six verses of chapter 2. And now he's taking up a new theme, but it really blends together with everything he's saying. This new theme, he's really, he's really emphasizing and focusing on how true Christians, they not only need to understand they need to love God, but they also need to understand that because God loves us and we're to love God in response and as much as we can in kind, we also are to love one another, our fellow Christians, true Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So in verse 7, first he says, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. From the beginning? What does that mean? Well, going back all the way, basically, to the beginning of the church. <coughs> and actually, before the church was really established on this earth, it's going all the way back to the night of Jesus' betrayal. We look at John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And I want us to note verses 34 and 35. John 13, verses 34 and 35. Now, again, this is the night of Jesus' betrayal. The next day, he would be hanging on the cross. This immediate context begins with chapter 13, goes all the way through chapter 17. One of the longer immediate contexts of Scripture in the entire New Testament. Here in verse 34, he's, and, and he's with the apostles, by the way. He's with the apostles during, this, during these several chapters in this setting. And so in verse 33, he says, verse 34, rather, of chapter 13, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my, you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, first, we need to understand that just as John emphasized that this is a commandment, that is exactly how Jesus laid it out, communicated it, taught it initially. Now, he says in verse 34 of John's gospel account, a new commandment I give to you. Now, this is Jesus speaking. He is speaking himself. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Well, how, is, how was this at that time 
a new commandment. It was a new commandment in direction in that Jesus said not just that you're to love me or you're to love God, my Father, or even that you're to love your fellow man, but he's talking to his disciples here. He's talking to those who would, and it's to us as well, to Christians. You are to love one another, your fellow Christians, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It's not something I want you to think about. This is a commandment. And Jesus says it's a new commandment. So it's new in direction and it's new in scope. And also it's new in reference in that Jesus said, as I have loved you. Now, how much did Jesus love the apostles at this time? How much does he love us? As I said, the next day he would be on the cross. And so he loved them, he loves us enough to have given his life as the perfect sacrifice on that cross, died for us. So imagine that scope, imagine that direction, imagine that frame of reference. It's, it's a new commandment, he says. And then in verse 35, he says, this is going to be an earmark of true Christians, of true Christianity. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The world is caught up in the evil and wickedness and ungodliness of sin. Violence is all around us. And let me tell you, right now it seems to be getting worse and worse all the time. But just evil, just wickedness is all around us and seems to be growing in magnitude. In the culture in which we are living right now, our culture is really striving, that is, those forces who are behind our culture, to reshape it, to remold it, seems to be really striving to push God farther and farther and farther out of the mindset of our culture, of our nation. Now, I know some people who, even those who are the movers and shakers, would say, oh, no, 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 we're not trying. Yes, you are. You're trying to remove reference to God. You're trying to remove the open teaching of sinfulness and wickedness and evil in the lifestyles of lots of people in our country. You're trying to remove that from our cultural mindset and conscience, And in so doing, you're pushing us farther and farther away from God. You're pushing God farther and farther out of the picture of our character and identity as a nation. But Jesus says, in contrast to all of that, if you really show, demonstrate, live in the kind of love that I'm demonstrating for you, and I'm about to go to the cross for you. If you demonstrate the love that you ought to have for each other, your brothers and sisters in Christ, the world's going to see a difference in you. They're going to see something better than what they observe commonly all around them. They're going to know that you're my disciples, and this can be a great characteristic of your shining light that ought to help people see the glory of God 
coming from you as you live your life in dedication to God. They ought to be able to see the light of Christianity coming through the way you live your life. Because in spite of all the evil, all the wickedness, all of the hatred and violence and bitterness and vengefulness that is being exhibited all around us on such a common basis now, they see a difference, and it's a good difference in the way you're living. So in 1 John chapter 2, John now begins to emphasize that very teaching from our Lord. In verse 7 again, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have heard from the which you have had from the beginning, from the time that Jesus gave it, at the near the birth point of the church on this earth. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. So You've had this commandment already since Jesus ushered, uh, since Jesus uttered it, commanded it way back there as he was about to go to the cross. That's still in force. It was brand new back then. Now we've had it a while. So you could think of it as both new and old because it's been here in force for a while. But it's still that new commandment from our Lord himself as he first uttered it, as he first laid it out as a responsibility for those who had become Christians. Again, a new commandment I write to you, John says, which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The darkness is passing away. Well, Jesus came to dispel the darkness of evil, wickedness, sinfulness, unrighteousness, ungodliness, unfaithfulness to God by bringing the gospel the gospel message of forgiveness and salvation. Remember, the apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So Jesus came as the Savior, bringing the message of forgiveness and salvation and eternal life, that gospel message for all of mankind. And John says, he who says he is in the light, now he makes a specific reference here. Back in, in chapter 1, he, he made a more, general, a more general application. He who, is working, he who is walking or living in the darkness of sinfulness on an ongoing basis, that's his lifestyle. He said, you're not, in, you're not walking in fellowship with God. Here he makes a specific application to that more general principle, and he says, "He who uh, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. In three successive verses there, he emphasizes this specific application of walking in the darkness of sin, of ungodliness, of wickedness, of evil, of unrighteousness. And that specific application is you cannot walk in the light of Christ in the light of Christianity, in the light of salvation through the gospel, and be hating your brother or sister in Christ. 
hatred is opposite of the love that should shine forth because you're Christians. Remember what Jesus said, as I have loved you, you ought to love one another. And the next day he would die on the cross for those apostles, but not just for them, for all of mankind. All the way up to and including us and on until he comes back again on that final day of judgment. Part of our shining light as Christians, going back to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Part of our shining light, a major aspect of it, as John is bringing out here, as Jesus commanded back in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, is our love for our true brothers and sisters in Christ, our true family members in the family of God, our true fellow members of the body of Christ, his church. The world, Jesus says, They ought to see that love in us shining forth and recognize how different it is from what they see in the world all around them. That is certainly not characterized by that kind of love for one another. So this is the first point at which John emphasizes in this first letter, 1 John, that loving God being faithful to keep his commandments is connected inseparably with loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, John goes on and he emphasizes this several more times in this first letter. But right here, we see that. How important it is to us and how much attention we ought to pay to this. We're going to come back and talk about this a little bit more next time. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we thank you for loving us so much. Oh, and you love us more than we, well, more than we realize, more than we could possibly recognize because your your spirit, your eternal, your deity, and we're mortal, but we have that spiritual being within us, a soul. Thank you for teaching us about love through your love for us and for mankind as a whole. Help us to love you. Help us to love each other. Help us to love those who are still lost in their sin, as you would have us to. And help that love to shine forth to a humanity that is caught up in just the opposite, hatred, bitterness, anger, vengeance, and violence. Help us to help them see your love through us, Father. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. Please forgive us, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.